When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up to get amazing odds boost every single day. Got a pick of the week for you as it is officially the first Rapids game of the season today. So come into the season with a little bit of confidence. Don't only take the Rapids to win, take them to win by two. Rapids win by two or more. It's plus 310, right? Or three or four. Seven. So... (laughs) Uh, Yahir says they're playing a, a bad team. I'm not going to lie. I don't know anything about the team they're playing or any of the teams in the CONCACAF. Uh, but I know the Rapids are dope, so I'm taking the Rapids to score two, to win by two. I'm going to probably lose money like I usually do in my picks of the week, but that's easy. It, all you have to do is fade my picks of the week, and you're good. You make money. <laughs> so head on over to DraftKings. Be sure to use that DNVR code to get amazing odds boost every single day. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right. So, today, I I guess it's not really significantly historical data. We're only going to go back to 2010, so it's not like we're really digging into anything way back. But we wanted to take a look at some of the deals made by Stanley Cup champs. Uh, over the last 10, 15 years here, and, and maybe some of the historical ones from the abs at least, uh, just to see the abs history in that department. It, it should be an interesting conversation um, because I do think you're going to see some bad trades. I think you're going to see some trades that had significant impact and some that <clears throat> really didn't. So it's going to be a little bit all over the board, and we're going to try to come to some sort of a conclusion on if it's even worth it to do trade deadline things. I was excited when – I don't remember which one of the two of you said that you were wanting to do this show today, but I was excited last time you said that because I feel like so much of the conversation you see um, on Av's Twitter right now, and honestly, even like talking to people up in the press box during games – is there's the the camp of, oh, they need to go out and do something and push all in this year. And then there's the camp of, why? They're good enough. Just hold on to what they've got. They don't need to do anything. Um, and I think this is a great exercise in exactly having that exact conversation. Why is it that teams <clears throat> who think they're near the, you know, near the top feel like they need to add pieces when they're already good? And what do you give up? what makes it worth it, what kind of crosses that line. I think it'll be give a nice bit of context to uh, all this conversation we've had recently. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's <clears> – <throat> I think what we're going to see when we go through this, um, one, not all these teams were in the same situation. Um, like, if you remember, L.A. won a Stanley Cup sneaking in as an eighth seed and kind of their approach to that deadline, uh, as we'll see, was a little different. Uh, because one of the deals that they made was for that moment, and one of the deals that they made was more for the future. But <clears throat> I think it's really 
it's really interesting that every single team on this list made a deal except for one. And we've got we've got big deals, we've got little deals. We've like they're all over the board. And so there isn't a there isn't a we'll see doing it doesn't work or doing it does work. It's winning a Stanley Cup is really hard. You have to be really good to begin with. But every team, no matter what, pretty much feels like they need that little bit extra one. We want to, if you're yeah. really, really good, you owe it to the guys in that room to try and tinker enough to, to, to fill out what you, what you could. Yep. You know, and, and with this one reason why we didn't want to go too far back into this is because the salary cap changed the math on this where you couldn't just be like, Oh, I'm comfortable giving up six pieces for these two guys or, you know, whatever you had to, you had to consider the money involved. There was, there were actual consider, there were actual limitations placed on teams other than do you, you know, can you afford it? You go back far enough and it's like, Hey, give us this guy and we'll just give you $2 million. (laughs) Right. Like we'll give you, we'll give you cash. We'll give you picks. We'll give you players. We'll give you all kinds of shit. Uh, very different. Yeah. Very different now. And so that's why we kind of wanted to to limit this. For sure. Um to to going too far back. Yeah. It's it, the conversation needs to be at least somewhat relevant to today and, and anything before the salary cap, other than you know, we'll probably talk a little bit about things in Av's history directly. Yeah. But, I mean this the salary cap like completely changed this franchise for 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could you could easily make the argument that Colorado was most negatively impacted by it. Yeah. Certainly one of the top it, teams, yeah. It forced them to make decisions on, you know, I mean they they, they weren't allowed to sign Peter Forsberg anymore. Right. Like financial commitments that they had made before the salary cap existed screwed them. To, through no fault, like, how are you going to know that, that the salary cap was going to be $30 million? Right. Yep. So, uh, anyway. Was was Forsberg traded out of Colorado? Ultimately? No. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm he, sorry. He walked, right? Or, yeah. I mean, he didn't walk. He, but... he, yeah. he was forced to not be re-signed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. It was, it was Forsberg and Adam Foote. They, weren't, they could yeah. not afford to bring them back because they had... Uh, it was like $18 million owed to Sackick, Wall, and Blake. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, funnily enough, it kind of worked out in their favor with the Forsberg thing because his career basically fell off a cliff. Uh, I mean, he was really good for Philly. He just had the same problem. He, he was, was just, really good for always hurt. one year and then basically barely played. <laughs> yeah. Well, what happens? What happens if that one year he's in Colorado instead? Fair enough. A different, a anyway. different history there. My, my, sure. my favorite—I guess it's not really a trivia—but like one of my favorite weird moments in NHL history is the fact that Peter Forsberg and Paul Correa played for the Nashville Predators at the same time. <laughs> Just, there's, it, there's some really weird connections out there. Like if you dig knowing the Preds as they are, I'm surprised they don't have like a Hall of Heroes <laughs> yeah. somewhere where they've got those guys like prominently displayed. Grace the my, banner. 
My first time in Nashville, uh, I got off the airplane and I was walking through the airport and they had like this mural that Jason Arnott set up. And I was like, this is fucking weird. Because yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think of Jason Arnott as a New Jersey devil. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, I don't know. Whatever. The, it's always weird to look through those things of like players wearing the wrong jersey. Right. And you're like, oh, yeah. Remember that time he played for that team? Like Ray Bork in Colorado? Yeah, kind of. Most people uh, the, remember him as a Bruin. The Jerome Ginla 88 LA Kings is another one that yeah, that 10 years weird. will be funny. See, I don't know. I don't know why you guys hate Ray Bork so much. <laughs> I don't hate Ray Bork. I, don't I just don't Ray think Bork the should have retired his number. That's all. <laughs> That was it's, that was like that's it's, it's one of the a, most iconic moments in NHL it's, history. It's, the yeah, it's just it's just weird. Like but, he played he played twenty two years and twenty and a half of them were in Boston. So it's just kind of oh for sure. It's I mean it's like it's like seeing Joe Namath in a in a Chargers jersey. You know, like they're just like iconic players wearing weird jerseys at the end of their careers. Had saying. had he not won, then I fully agree. But it was just one of those like you're in the moment. It all made sense at the time. Yeah, I like it. You put up a Stanley Cup banner for that moment, not Ray Bork's number, but whatever. Not the conversation of today. No, this is the conversation now. <laughs> All right. So when the Avs traded for Rob Blake. <laughs> Look, the biggest news of today is that Michael Massey is out. <laughs> so, AJ's pumping those tires. I'm just saying I'm excited about that. Just making more room for a Ferrari to cheat. Let's be real. Great. <laughs> as long as they win. Uh, anyway, you guys want to start in 2021 or you guys want to start in 2010? Which way 2010. Do you 2010? All right. Well, it's 2010 was one. Very quick. Chicago did not do anything at the deadline in 2010. That was the first cup of their uh, <clears throat> mini dynasty, I guess. Closest uh, thing we've seen to one. Yeah. So far. Tampa maybe working their way into that conversation mm-hmm. now. But I also for the record, this was not we were not very strict about deadline. Yeah. Like if, if a team made a move in the month or two leading up to it, it's fine. Close that enough. was also acceptable. Yeah. <clears throat> it was kind of just seeing what teams did during the season to get themselves better. And Chicago, you because if you think if you think back on that Chicago team, they were just starting their run. Yep. They were they, they were young and good, really... and they didn't they didn't really know how good they were. Yep. And so there wasn't like this major. We've got to do something. We've got to do something. And yeah. they did nothing. They had. Let me actually see. Yeah, Taze was twenty one. Uh, Patrick Kane was 21 <laughs> yeah a 22 year old Yalmerson, uh a bunch of other young kids brian bickle was 23 duncan keith was only 26 very much wow jack skeely was on that team i always forget mm-hmm. uh yeah they were they were super young they were still really trying to discover their own identity at this point um they ended up doing actually nothing at the deadline and going on and winning the cup. So if you are one of those people that are saying the abs should do nothing, this is your team that you're, you're pointing to and saying, there will be a why. couple of examples that get close to this too. Some teams that don't do For very sure. much significant, but at all. this is the team that actually did nothing in the last yes. decade. And 
Let me let me tell you, I don't expect the Avs to do nothing. I would be mm-hmm. shocked if they didn't. I mean, What's they've already their... got like the record for yeah, however many like years, like twenty straight years, years or something, something yeah. like that, that they've made a deadline deal. Yeah, but I would just say it's. I would just say any either way. Uh, I just can't imagine that they would do nothing, not a single thing. I would be shocked if they did actually nothing. Boy, would our show not be very good that day. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> God. Another trade. Look, at least <clears throat> if they actually do nothing, would that be better than waiting until an hour after the deadline to hear that they traded Chris Bigra? I was pretty mad about that um, because <laughs> yeah. we had done the whole live show at the media school that day, and Dater and I were sitting at the bar having a beer afterwards and having lunch. And then our phones buzz, and we look, and we're just like, bro, <laughs> are you kidding me with this? That was our first attempt at like a live. Yeah. Well, I guess I don't know why I put it in quotes. It was like it was yeah. it was live. And yeah, we were there for so long. Yeah, and nothing happened on that deadline until the very, very, very end when the Ryan McDonough to Tampa Bay thing happened. Yeah. Uh, and that was obviously that was a huge deal. Right. It was just like, okay, the abs the abs just didn't do anything. And yep. then their one deal to keep the streak alive was Ryan Graves for Chris Gras. Which ended up mattering. Yeah, I was going to say, like, which which in that moment, we were like, oh, my God, we waited around all day for this. And then turned out to be a, a year later. Yeah. <laughs> Graves was being Posit- an impact defenseman. <laughs> Positive yeah. thing up until overtime of second round last year. Yeah, things didn't end so well, did they? Um, anyway, Chicago in 2010 is the team that did literally nothing. If that's the the thing you want to emulate, there is one case of that since 2010 or since 2010 for the abs to follow. But you get right into 2011 and (laughs) you have Boston going the fuck off. Absolutely. All the things. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Boston, Boston did big things that year at the deadline uh, with I'm, I'm actually I included the the Kudobin deal. I wasn't a hundred percent sure if he was an NHLer at the time, because um, I know he had he was like right on that he was right on the cusp of getting into the league, but I included him. So, Pajaru over Jason Miller every time. Uh, yeah. All right. So there are three different trades here that Boston made. Uh, four actually, if you include Kudobin, uh, Chris Kelly for a second. Rich Peverly and Boris Vallebeek for Mark Stewart and Blake Wheeler. Thomas Caberlet for Joe Colborn, a first and a second. And then Anton Kudobin for Jeff Penner. And uh, it was a prospect to be named later or something, I believe. It was uh, signing rights to a guy. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, mostly irrelevant. Yeah, Miko Lettinen. That's a name. So they, like, changed out their bottom six to go on their cup run. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, well, and when you consider <laughs> uh, so. Uh, the Tomas Caberlet, Joel Colburn was first round pick, mid first round pick. Uh, and then they also gave up the first rounder and a second rounder. Um, I think the second rounder was conditional. Um, I didn't really get into the conditions of yeah, stuff. It was just it's not worth it to dig up yeah, that old it stuff. It just it didn't matter. Um, but like like Peverly, uh, like Mark Mark Stewart and Blake Wheeler, that's a huge deal. Yeah. Like those were those were foundational pieces when the Jets yeah. when the when the Thrashers moved to Winnipeg and became the Jets. Yep. 
And like Blake Wheeler's obviously still there. He's their captain. That ended up being a uh, a franchise defining deal for the Thrashers slash Jets. If you're looking at it, if you ignore the cup and you look at purely value of each player, Mark or Blake Wheeler is the best player in that deal by like a lot. Right. And like Chris <laughs> Kelly, Chris Kelly was near the end. Um, obviously, Rich Peverly was involved in the Sagan deal yep. after that. Um, and then Caberlet was at the end. And then Kudobin, obviously, that was the very beginning of his career that kind of kickstarted it. So he, he played one game for Boston that year. It uh, so it's really those three. The, the the first three are really the ones that really actually like those guys made Had a difference. An impact on the cup run, sure. But they went hard on the future, and they won that cup. Yep. They got the they got over the hump. That's your that's your all in pushed all bunch of future chips into the middle, yeah. and it paid off. Well, and that's what we always say, right? Like if you do the thing. If you win the cup, no one cares how many picks you have left. Right. No right. one cares what your prospect pool looks like. You just want a Stanley Cup. Nobody yeah. was sitting there in, in Boston lamenting giving up Blake Wheeler in that deal. Oh, man, I wish we hadn't done that. No. Helped him win a Stanley Cup that year. Don't know how it would have gone otherwise. Yeah. It's, the, it's hard to argue against the Stanley Cup. I think that's certainly true. So. Before we move on, uh, I just saw in chat someone refer to them as Girl Guide Cookies. Is that the Canadian version that we were talking about the other day for Girl Scout cookies? Oh, like garbage ones? Yeah. Gr- fake Oreos. Girl Guide? That sounds like something Canada would do I instead of Girl Scouts. I feel about that Scouts. alliteration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like the off-brand Girl Scouts. Well, we don't have Girl Scouts. We have Girl Guides. It's like, ooh. You know what I, you know, completely ignoring this aside, you know what I love about a guy like Rich Peverley is like a depth guy that you get and you're like, oh, maybe he can help you out. He played 23 games for Boston, for Boston that year and scored seven points. And then in the postseason had 12 points in 25 games. So dude, that, and that's the other thing that is always interesting. There's always one, usually from the team that goes on to win the cup. Cause that ends up being kind of the difference. Like it's those, it's, you know, I remember the year for Chicago, I think it was the lockout shortened year when Brian Bickle went off in the postseason. And it was just like, okay, sure. He matches his season point total in the first two and a half rounds. And yeah, Rich Peverlay, same type of thing. Like it's, it's just weird how you have those guys that emerge out of your bottom six to suddenly. Oh, and for the, like, for the record, Rich Peverly had a, 50 point year the year before like he was he was a, that was the height of his powers um but i just i just thought that was a fun like their their playoff run two years later 21 games played two goals no assists mm-hmm. right and they don't win the cup and you're like shocker mm. so anyway i just I, I love little tidbits like that where you look back at a cup run and you're like, how did it all come together? Because it really takes everything kind of going your yeah. way for four rounds. Yeah. And that includes a guy like Rich Pepper. I mean, that would be like a, I don't know, that would be like a Val Nachushkin, you know, I'd putting be, up 15 points in a, in a, it, in a cup run. It might run. be even less than that. It might be more like a, I was going to say, JT Comfer or something uh, like well, that. Yeah. JT Comfer's never had a 50 point season. That's true. But, yeah. Neither has Val Nachushkin, I guess. Was, was that an outlier, though, for Rich Peverley? No, um, that the 55 
Yeah. Yes, but he had he was he was really good. I mean, the thing with Pettit's yeah, yeah. career is it was ended so shortly that he had the year he got traded, twenty eleven. He had forty one points. Uh, the next season he had forty two points. That's like mm-hmm. he was he was a borderline top six guy. So yeah, yeah. yeah. He, anyway. I, he was fine. It it worked out for Boston in that case. That uh, that much is certain. Uh, be sure to head on over, get yourself some ranch riders when you can. They're absolutely delicious. You can't go wrong. You can get either vodka or uh, tequila in them. Highly recommend you go check them out. They got the ranch water, which is a thing from Texas that I still, I don't really understand what it is. I understand that it tastes good. And you know what? That's all I really need to know. I don't need to know any, any more details than that. Go check it out. They're absolutely delicious. They come in a can, originated from a food truck down in Texas, but now they're one of the 10 fastest-selling alcohol brands in the country. So they're really darn good. Everyone I, I talk to pretty much loves them. So it's uh, it's hard to miss with that. If you haven't tried one, you gotta you got to get one in your mouth. Give it a go. They're absolutely delicious. Check it out. If you're any kind of a, a spirits drinker, they will uh, they will like it quite a bit. Uh, you can also, of course, check out Green Mountain Dental Group. Make sure you're taking care of your teeth. We schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam with them. They have you covered with a free Sonicare toothbrush just for doing your due diligence, taking care of your teeth. So be sure to check out Green Mountain Dental Group just 15 minutes from downtown in Lakewood and get yourself that free Sonicare toothbrush. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, all right. So we've, t- we've kind of looked at the two extremes now in 2010 and 2011 where you saw Chicago do nothing and Boston literally throw a bunch of shit at the wall and it worked out for them. Um, you get to 2012, you get to this LA team, and this is the first... Uh, I really don't like this term, but people would call this a hockey trade, right? Why don't you like it? Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say. I would love because to know what the every trade is a hockey trade. Okay, you're a this hockey. Is like, uh, this is like a goal scorer's goal line. Yeah. Okay, I get you. <laughs> eh, but like the flurry trade in the offseason, that's not a hockey trade. That's a that's purely a business trade. You know what I mean? It can be for business reasons, but it's two hockey teams trading players. Well, what, what was the what, what, what was the deal? The deal was Jeff Carter for Jack Johnson and a first. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely a hockey trade. Because remember, they... remember that there were some context to this because Columbus had traded uh, Jakub Voracek and a first round pick to Philadelphia for Jeff Carter, yep. and Jeff Carter threw a monstrous bitch fit about it and like didn't want to report to Columbus. And then when he did, he wasn't trying very hard. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't putting any effort in whatsoever. And now uh, LA rolled in and, and Columbus was like, Columbus was like, we're trying to take ourselves seriously here. We're trying <laughs> to transition from the expansion franchise that can't win anything. And it's completely irrelevant into a serious franchise we think we just went and got a number one center. Like, you know, like they they want they they wanted to grow up and, and be taken seriously. And then Jeff Carter was like, eh, now. 
and yeah. like pouted his way out of town and Columbus was like, okay, now we have to do something. And the so number they, of players that have done that in Columbus is its own show. Well, and now it is, but back then right, it, right, hadn't, right, right, it hadn't right. started happening. Yeah. This was kind of the first one. And so he, he was just like, now, because like Jeff Carter and Rick Nash together should have been dope. Mm-hmm. That should have been pretty cool. A good foundation to build from. It didn't work out that way. And then they move in for Jack Johnson and a first, which they lost that deal. I don't think it's as bad as people will look at Jack Johnson now, but yeah, they absolutely lost the deal. You know, Jeff Carter goes on to continue being Jeff Carter and put up 60 points on the reg for LA. Yeah. Like goes on to be the perfect skill player for a Kings team that needed somebody who could score. For the record, Jack Johnson did have a 40-point season in Columbus. It was all, yeah. all like, I was going to say, Jack Johnson was dope for a while. Jack, Jack Johnson was – he was solid for a year or two there. Uh, he was getting crushed a lot defensively, but, yeah. He was also dealing with a lot of off-ice issues. Yeah, well-documented. <laughs> Poor so. guy, too. Yeah, by the way, uh, that ended up being Jeff Carter for Jakob Voracek and Sean Couturier. Jesus, that's a brutal looking trade. If you even, want to put it like the, that, even the third round pick that they gave up to Philly in that deal turned into freaking Nick Cousins. <laughs> even that part of it blew up in their face. Not great for Columbus. Uh, good for LA though. Jeff Carter obviously goes on, helps them to win their first cup. So, uh, obviously, there's a little bit of context here that you have to understand we're looking at trades made by stanley cup champions right there's a whole bunch of trades we're not talking about that a bunch of teams made that they didn't go on to win cups yeah but it when you look at one i think especially like this jeff carter one it's hard not to think that he didn't help that team get over the hump well yeah like i I said man i mean jack johnson on that defense was fine but uh, moving him for a top flight forward that they because they needed the goal scoring, they needed the say, offense. That was a that was a team that was literally trying to win two to one every night. Yep, and he was kind of what he ended up being the guy that tied that seventies line together, uh, and and was like what made it work. Well, and and that that year's LA team is an interesting one. Cause that wasn't so much about them getting over the hump to AJ's point. Like that, that was a team that struggled to score. And a lot of people looked at it. And that was when Jonathan quick was kind of at the height of his powers. That team had a lot of good pieces and, and it was just like, well, they, unless they start scoring more, they're not going to be competitive. They're going to have a hard time winning a playoff series if they can't put the puck in the net. And so that was more of a, and again, going back to like the term hockey trade, that was a trade where like, Hey, we want to get better. You guys want a good defenseman. Let's just do this. And everyone's kind of happy with it. And then, yeah, Jeff Carter goes off. Uh, like you said, I, I had forgotten about the, that seventies line. I mean, that line goes nuts and it just, that was a great example of how like LA wasn't just missing a player. They were missing like the right player. Um, which honestly, and, and we're building towards it, but that to me is kind of where the abs are at right now. I don't think they need anybody to, you know, to, to 
make them a, a great team or whatever. Obviously, they're already an elite team, but they are just missing like a little bit of that something past the first line. And that's kind of what Jeff Carter was. But for them, it wasn't about getting over the hump. It was, well, we got to do this to, to round our team out. And it ended up pushing them. They were the only playoff team that year to not score 200 goals in the regular season. Yeah. They had 95 points and they lost more games during the regular season than they won. It's the Carter one is also a case for it to maybe not be a rental as mm-hmm. he was actually an insanely important piece to their next cup run in, in 2014, where he's like a point per game player in the playoffs that year. So if we're, if we're calling it a hockey trade, uh, maybe something to consider the, expanding impacts of a player coming to the team beyond just the immediate that was a, playoff run. That was a big move though. Like Jack Johnson sure. had been drafted in the top five. Both guys were still young. Jeff Carter was on uh, uh, that huge contract. He had just signed the Kings had also just traded for Mike Richards before then. Like they, they, they went hard, man. Like they, they went after it. And Jet the Jeff Carter piece was just like, that's a big, like Jack Johnson. We, we think of Jack Johnson a certain light today. But in 2012, when they make this deal, Jack Johnson was still considered like one of the premier young defenders in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just and, er- and added a first round pick to that to, to, to get Jeff Carter. That was a big deal. Jack Johnson was one year removed from being an Olympian. Yep. It's, uh, so it's certainly a bit of a banger of a deal, to say the least. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big, that was a, big deal yeah um, so they only made the one move but it was large oof. to say the least and that's the kind of move where you're like look they keep they keep jeff carter so this isn't this isn't your classic rental this is right you know they they use that from from then on yeah so it, it, you're looking at a you know, there's not a ton of dudes on the deadline this year for the Avs that really have significant multi-year deals. There's a couple you could talk about. JT Miller has a has a year left on his deal, but yeah, a lot of the guys being talked about are your classic UFAs. There's not many guys with term that are getting moved around. Yep. So might be tough to find a real good comparison there. Now you could get into a conversation of maybe you go get Claude Giroux and look to extend him or something like that. Right. But this year's deadline is interesting though, just because I, I don't remember the last time there was this many like high-profile guys that were that people All felt this confident were, were going to be moving. Yeah, like I feel you've had it in the past, but a lot of those guys, like yeah, they're around, but the team feels like they can re-sign them. They want to stay where they're at. This feels like the first year where it's like a lot of these guys are, are walking in the summer. So I, I don't know. This is a, this is a really intriguing deadline. I do think part of that conversation is the top of the league. Look at how far the abs are ahead of the West. And there's a bunch of teams in the West going, well, we're not catching that. The same thing. It's, it's three teams in the East really that are just torching everybody else. Right. Yeah. So I think it does get a little bit easier for teams to say, yeah, we're, we're out of this one, but not a lot of moves have been made yet, so maybe don't yeah. jump the gun on that. Uh, 2013, Chicago, again, essentially did nothing. They traded a fourth-round pick for Michael Hanzus, and that was it for the minist of maxing 
on on that deal. Yeah, that's the one where you're like, look, our core is young, our core is really good. We just kind of need a guy to come in and fill a specific role for us. Yep. Um, we don't need a lot of help. We just want the right guy here. Looking for looking for uh, more role than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> if they end up if they end up doing that. Like if, if that's what Colorado does, is they make the the, the Hanzu's type of move, that's fine. Yeah, I would have. I I think they that's at minimum what Colorado will do, right? Yeah. The, there's it no guarantee be. they make the big move, but again, I think we'd all be shocked if they actually do nothing. Yeah, well, I was gonna say if if they decide if Joe Sag decides that the cost on Giroux Pavelski is is far exceeding what he wants to spend. Yeah. Like you said, I'd be pretty floored if he didn't get into this level market. Yep. That was 13. That was 2013. Yes. Yeah. For the record, Hansi's played 23 games in the postseason and had 11 points. So pretty impactful. Yeah. For a guy who was pretty well at the end of his career in the NHL. Yep. He had he had fallen off. You know, he he'd been really productive NHLer in his in his time, but he was at the end of the line there. But <clears throat> kind of got at the a little bit of the fountain of youth in the playoff run and was pretty important for them. Again, just looking at chat here is a little bit of an aside. Those last the lot the question there. I just want to hear what you guys have to say. What? Which the Kadri or Giroux? To me, it's pretty easy. Giroux. Sure, yeah, for by, sure. by like a mile. It, it's mostly like and we've. It's now getting on to a lot of times that we have talked about this, but Alex Newhook exists, right? And we've seen it. Kadri doesn't work on the wing, so yeah. And it's look, you're expecting like Kadri is already what thirty two. Yep, I mean Drew's thirty four, but yeah, yeah, Drew is older, but. You you have that replacement, and you're expecting like Drew's drop off has already started. Yep, and but he's, thing- he's coming from a higher level. Yeah, exactly. Right. So and it, it, <clears throat> and with Drew, you're just not. I, it, yeah, the answer the answer is Drew. Through the course of his career, Drew has regularly been a point per game player. Kadri is doing it for the first time ever. Yeah, this year. Right. So. Drew's got a hundred point season. Yeah, exactly. Like three. Not all that. Ago. I'll say not all that long ago. This is like five, but it's it, it's not. It is. It's not. It it's it, it's four and a half. Exactly. It was seventeen eighteen. Was this hundred point season? Can you have a ninety point year then. Very you had an eighty five point year the year after that. Okay. And Which then, would have been the COVID shortened year, right? No, that was eighteen nineteen, and then the the COVID shortened year. He had 53 and 69. Anyway, one more here. LA apparently just farming Columbus this decade. Uh, as they pull in 2014, they pull Marion Gabrick out of, at that point he was in Columbus uh, for Matt Fratton, a second and a third. Uh, and then they get into a weird-looking trade <laughs> as they get two seconds, Braden McNabb and Jonathan Parker for Hudson Fashing and Nick Delorier. 
Yeah, and at the time, uh, Hudson fashing was had um, some hype on him. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of shine on him as a prospect that just needed opportunity. Um, and Nick Delorier um, was viewed as like a pretty skilled, tough guy. Yeah, obviously, it has not something out that more way. than just a fourth liner there. Yeah, but the like the Gabrick deal, obviously, good and solid. The, the question with Gabrick was always health. Yep. Like, he just couldn't, you know. And then when he got to L.A., things turned around a little bit for him where he stayed healthy-ish for, for long enough to be an impact player for them for a few years. But that deal, the the, the McNabb thing was always kind of odd. It, I, it's always weird to see a team buying and then they're going out and getting picks back. <laughs> so... It was just like Brain McNabb just fit their personality so well. Yep. That <clears throat> it was, and it ended up being worth Hudson Fashing didn't turn into anything. Right. Brain McNabb is the best player in that deal. So <laughs> good job, yeah. LA, I guess. Yeah. Kind of an odd deal, but like one, again, you're talking, the Gabrick is like your classic, like older guy. We're just trying to get yep. those. We're trying to get the last vestiges of, of what was once a high end player, we're and they did get, in L.A. Yeah, we're trying to get we're trying to get the last uh, the last parts of an impact guy here. Um, not not expecting him to be forty goal scorer Minnesota Wild Marion Gabrick, but at least like top six it brings a little bit of a dynamic dynamic element to a team that was constantly looking for it, and did a good job, like nailed it. And then McNabb was just kind of leaning into who they were. Okay, well, so all of these taking advantage of Buffalo, like yeah, for sure, all of these worked out. But if you remember the Avs trade deadline deals in the early 2010s, you're probably going to want a Breck Brew. So go get yourself one. I recommend an Avalanche specifically to not think about the uh, some of the trade deadline deals that were completed by Colorado as they failed to make the playoffs. But Breck Brew's good, at least. You got that going for you. You can have a good beer. So jump on it. Go to your local liquor store. You can find them at a Breck Beer Locator online on their website. Also, be sure to keep an eye out for some deals. Uh, a, a little birdie told me Breck Brew's going to be giving us some abs tickets to give away pretty soon here. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for, for some cool stuff that we're going to be doing with them. Uh, should be a fun time. And then... Go check out the American Raptors. They are over at Infinity Park in Glendale, which, by the way, go check out Infinity Park. It's just a dope place to, like, hang out for a day. They have all sorts of cool stuff that I, I highly recommend. But for the American Raptors, they are Rugby Towns USA's newest rugby team. They do kind of a cool thing where they take high-level athletes from other professional sports and bring them over to rugby to transfer them over and turn them into rugby players. They have basketball, baseball, football, even wrestling players that uh, that have transitioned. So it's a super interesting thing. Last year, the that version of them ended up going 5-5. Five and five, So they competed pretty decently in their league. You can find out more about them at AmericanRaptors.com. You can also get tickets for completely free. So if you want to check it out, you can go for free, hang out, have a great time. 
you're a hardcore rugby fan, you can also stream all of their games from their website. Again, that's AmericanRaptors.com. And be sure to follow Colton Strickler on Twitter and the DNVR Rugby account. He does podcasts every single day. Well, not every single week. Uh, with 101 pods if you're new. Or, you know, regularly interviews players that are range from legends of the sport to everybody on the American Raptors. So his coverage is awesome. Highly recommend you check it out if you have any interest in rugby at all. It's super duper dope. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Starting to get into the second half of the decade here and and things that are closing in to more recent, I guess you could say. And you're going to see most of these years, there's at least one significant move that gets made. It's not necessarily the hugest move all the time, but there's a significant move. that starts with Chicago in 2015. After two cups of not doing a whole lot, they kind of went out and did a bunch of stuff in 2015. First, they go get the old guy in Kimo Timonen for a second and a fourth. Yeah. Um, Kimo was really not very impactful on that team. He was literally playing like five minutes a night in the playoffs. But yeah, as the as that that went on, the Blackhawks basically had a top four. Yep. Uh, that they Duncan each, Keith was each of those guys was like, night. Yeah, yeah. Each of those guys was playing over twenty minutes per night. And their third pairing was legit playing like eight minutes a game, if yep. that. It was it was not a whole lot going on there, but they also went out and got Antoine Vermette for a first and class Dahlbeck. Uh, so, so more of an impactful move there. Uh, yeah. Um, so Klaus Dahlbeck was actually a pretty solid D prospect at the time. Yep. Um, so that was not like. Now we look at it and we're like, Blah's doll back, right? But like <laughs> at the time, like he was a pretty good, he was a pretty good prospect. And I mean, funnily enough, at least, yeah, all right. Vermette did okay in the playoffs, but he was kind of garbo for Chicago in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the playoffs are when it counts, right? When you're making a move like that, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, and that's a, that's a, they knew they were probably at the end of that particular run, that window, whatever. Um, They, they were really hurting for money. They were really, uh, they didn't have very much young talent coming up anymore. They were really, they were really struggling, um, like beyond that year. And so that was the screw this. We're just, we're pushing it in and we're just trying to finish this thing off with a third cup. They got to it. Yeah. Sometimes you got to push your chips to the middle. Uh, they also did trade Adam Clendenning for Gustav Forsling. Which ended up being a really good futures deal. Yeah. Um, and I'm just not, it's interesting because Forsling has turned into a pretty good player. It just took, it just took forever. Yeah. So it's a trade that happened. Didn't really have, much impact on that actual cup run but it happened uh so is there such a thing as too too much of an all-in move for colorado this year i mean like if in theory if they were to go out and they decided they wanted to get calvin dehan and claude Giroux and jt miller 
that's unnecessary. Sure. Because that's going to cost you Baron, Olison, first rounders. Yeah. You're emptying um, it out really. Yeah, like you'll have you'll have nothing after that. You'll you'll really have like cleaned out the coffers. Um and in you you wonder like what's how much of that helps you in the future, right? Yeah. Like how 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 much do those guys stick around and is all of that just for the one run? Like this this Blackhawks run that we're talking about, Vermette and and Timonen, like that that was it. Yep. He uh, he got traded to Chicago, hit free agency, and turned around and signed back with the Coyotes immediately. <laughs> so they traded. You know they got rid of Dahlbeck in that first round pick and. I mean that they got that cup run out of him, and that was that was it. Uh, so to answer your question of of is there two all in? Like yeah, I think there's there's where you get to unnecessary. Is is the conversation there? If you're gonna go all in, it better work. Yeah. I mean, I guess I continue to struggle with this phrase "all in" because I don't think the sure. Abs can go all the, in this year. It's impossible. You oh, get- see, I I. I fully just, I think this is their this year and next year are their two years to go all in because of the Nathan McKinnon contract. Once you get once you get into that new McKinnon deal, it's going to really limit what you can be bringing in. The thing I, about- I, I think I, I think that's maybe the most overblown part of all of this because EJ's deal ends at the same time, so your worst contract comes off the books at the same time it's and you're be- you're essentially spending all of ej's money on nathan mckinnon yeah and so instead of instead of you just feeling like you're wasting that money you're just spending it on your best player yeah and so no, that's a great point for me for me i don't i don't worry too much about that part of it if they didn't have that obvious one for one right there i would be i would be completely with you but when i say i don't think they can go all in because I don't think that there is a, there are enough deals out there that make sense for them to make. Like I just theorize that they go get Calvin DeHaan and Claude Giroux and JT Miller. Do any of us feel like that's even on the table within the realm of possibilities? Because that's that's what I think of all you're, in as. Oh, see, see, I stretching to get even two of those guys. I, I, yeah. and, and I guess maybe that's where I guess that's why we probably differ in in going all in or not because. My definition of all in is is you go and get the big name out there. You spend the max amount of you know assets. You don't add around the fringes. You don't you know you don't nibble on the outside. You go and you go right to the top of the list. We're going that guy. So that's where I kind of define all in. Okay. So well, if we're doing that, sense. then I agree with you. They should do it this yeah. year. Yeah. Just yeah, because yeah, yeah. the guy that's available and the way that he fits on the roster makes that worth. But you also go back and you look at. Why did Antoine Vermette get a get a first round pick that year? Because he was one of the best players who was available. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that goes to show you that not all trade deadlines are created equally. Right. If Antoine Vermette yeah. is the best player available at a deadline versus a Claude Giroux is available at a deadline, who is the best player available at last year's deadline? Probably Taylor Hall. Mm-hmm. Yep. Probably ta- like Taylor Hall and like David Savard. And those guys went for first and second round picks. Yep. Savard got the first and Hall got Taylor, the second. Taylor Hall, that, that's an interesting one to, 
to follow just because it's a very, it's not very similar, but it's a similar situation to Giroux in the full no move clause. He's got a lot of control over where he goes. Um, I will never to this day, never understand why Taylor Hall signed with Buffalo. So I think part of the reason that it makes it very hard for Colorado to go crazy all in like where they do three different things is they don't have the cap space right they can't just oh send out our 2023 first and second and third they need to be moving money out too to go get some of these significant players which makes it a little bit harder than chicago's example here it's like yeah we'll go get vermette and give you a first and no money going out essentially so a little bit of a different situation for colorado this year there um for sure 2016 sees Adam Clendenning get traded again. Uh, <laughs> I, I, is Adam Clendenning still in the league? Can can the Avs, can he get involved in a deal for the Avs? Because it seems to work out. They need to get him so they can move him, and that's how you win the cup. All right? right? Can Just flip that. <laughs> exactly. It, uh, let's see. He is not in the league. <laughs> His last NHL game was in 2018 19. <sighs> uh,. <laughs> Anyway, there goes the uh, cheat code. Pittsburgh, the big move is another hockey trade. Carl Haglin for David Perron and Adam Clendenning. Do you guys remember that David Perron was in Pittsburgh? Barely. No. I feel like I, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I think of David Perron and I'm like, there was that one weird Vegas year. There was Anaheim at one point, And then there was, it's been St. Louis. Well, over Anaheim. How yeah, yeah, he's keeps winding up back in St. Louis. It's been one of the yeah. weirdest. Like, he was his, in Anaheim, his... right? Was he in Edmonton? He was Edmonton, yeah, Edmonton, not Anaheim. yeah. I was he like, wasn't Anaheim, yeah, he was <laughs> he wasn't Anaheim. I'm not lying for like a quarter of a season, yeah, 28 whole games. He was in Anaheim, That's, but okay, Carl, Carl Haglin has been one of those players for me for years that I've had this like just weird completely random like obsession with where i'm just like literally for a decade I'm like god i'd love for the abs to add him oh i love watching him dude i love dude, watching he's, him. he's so fun to watch and, and i just yeah for so long i've wanted the abs to get him for no real reason other than what you said i just love watching him well, that was <laughs> i'm totally with you totally that was that you era of pittsburgh hockey where it was like what if we just put literally anyone next to Sidney crosby and see what happens right, right, right. <laughs> and it worked yeah <laughs> perron como haglin whatever yeah. it does not matter uh chris kunitz i mean he made chris kunitz an olympian that's yeah. how good Sidney crosby i always feel bad chris kunitz is never gonna get to live on his own his own glory and his own his own accomplishments <laughs> He's always he going to be a product of Sidney Crosby. And he knows why. And he's very grateful. <laughs> Every time he checks his online banking account, he's like, thanks, Sid. Yeah, I was going to say, Brief. he probably owes 2% of his career earnings to Crosby. Yeah, yeah. That's. I would love to see a stat of how many of Chris Kunitz's points was Crosby also in on. You also, you, you think stuff like that. Cause remember there was a David Jones in Colorado that everybody uh, back at back then, a lot of people talked about how David Jones was the result of playing with Paul Stasny. And then I went and looked and it was like, they were involved in the same goal. Like, like it was like 9% of the time. And it was like, <laughs> oh. 
Maybe David Jones was just good on his own for a few years there. <laughs> the other side of, of Pittsburgh in 2016 is they did get Justin Schultz for a third. I think this is an interesting conversation because they made a hockey trade for a forward and then they went out and helped their defense too. however you want to feel about Justin Schultz, whatever. Um, doesn't feel it, it feels like something similar that Colorado could follow this year where they they try to move money out maybe it's a confer maybe it's mm-hmm. a Burkowski maybe it's a Joster Murray whatever to get yeah, some whatever. forward help and then they still need to flesh out their defense yeah yeah and Justin Schultz ended up being pretty good for them um you know he was kind of he was kind of he was that like hot college prospect and then didn't 100% live up to expectations in Edmonton as nobody ever does for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> and then gets to Pittsburgh and like becomes like a solid NHL player. Yeah. He even became a little desirable after that around the league. Like I remember people talking about for yeah, was... years after that, that there was a lot of teams that, that were interested in, in Schultz. That deal ended up being good for both sides. Like it really helped, uh, it really helped Justin Schultz and uh, obviously Pittsburgh enjoyed the puck moving acumen. Yep. It worked out there. He, another big contributor in, in Pittsburgh's follow-up run um, where Pittsburgh did do things again. Their, their second cup in the back-to-back for Pittsburgh was a, a little bit lighter at the deadline. They got Ron Hainsey for Danny Cristo and a second, and then Mark street for a fourth very clearly targeting wanting to improve their defense that year. That was that was really like the end of Mark Strike too. Yeah. That was he was done as an NHL player. Um he, you know, he, he was he, no he got, spring chicken at that point either. Yeah, but it was like Strike was that was like that was trying to get blood from a stone <laughs> um with Mark Strike at that. Like he he was just he was just done. Uh, and like was okay, like did did okay for them, uh, but he was really just he didn't he didn't really he, he didn't really participate three in that. games in the playoffs yeah, yeah. and had two points in three games to be fair but yeah the free college free agents are all over the place I guess it depends on again not all of them are created equally right because sometimes you get an Adam Fox and. Sometimes you get a Danny DeKaiser. What was Adam Fox a college free agent? Um, he basically told everybody he was not signing unless he was going to go to the Rangers. Yep, and so he got moved around multiple times because he got drafted in the second round, and then by Calgary, I believe, and then they yep. moved him to, I think, Carolina, and yep. then I think Carolina moved him, and then he was like, "I'm not signing with you," and then. But I, I think that's how it was. So. so, in the late 2010s... Chris Jory was a pick, though. He wasn't a college free agent. In the late 2010s, you start getting into this stretch of, of teams winning the Cup where their deadline moves were kind of just nibbling around the edges. We already talked about Pittsburgh's yeah. second Cup. You get to Washington in 2018 where they get Michael Kempney for a third and Jakob Yarabek for a fifth. Kemney actually played a role on that team. Um, that ended up being a pretty good move for them. Yep. And, like, I think the vast majority of moves we've looked at so far, or the vast majority of years, each team at least made one move where you're like, okay, that guy definitely helped them. It's just a question of how much. Right. Yeah. So. 
if you know the difference between what was enough to win a cup and didn't, then you're a trade genius and teams want your help. He doesn't say you should be hired. <laughs> Uh, 2019, St. Louis only made the one move. Michael Delzato for a sixth. Well, and, and that was that was the year. So the context here, that was the year where they were January first. Yeah, they, they were, were the last worst in team the NHL, only. and then so they were not happened. Yeah, they were not really in a position to like buy, <laughs> buy, buy, buy. Right? Like they were not going to go hard uh, at the deadline yeah. that year. Their deadline move was sending it with Jordan Bennington, like <laughs> pretty much, and. Like four, uh, but Delzato Delzato didn't play any games in that Stanley Cup run, so that might as well just be no moves from St. Louis. Yep, pretty okay with that take. Um, then you get to Tampa in 2020. Now, keep in mind the context: Tampa has been extremely good hockey team for years now. They get eliminated in the first round against Columbus the year before. Yeah, this is going. This is going big. Yeah, so they sent it. A first and Nolan foot for Blake Coleman, and then another first and third, as well as a prospect for Barkley Goodrow. Yeah. So um, Nolan foot was their most recent first round pick. Yep. Uh, so the, essentially two firsts for Blake Coleman. The Barkley Goodrow was for a first, but they got a third in return. So it was really more like trading down from the bottom of the first to the top of the third, is kind of how it functionally worked out. It wasn't a first for no pick value, at least. Right. And so they got the third back. So it was like trading down from 31 to wherever. 90 something. Yeah. Yeah. So um, a little it's because we talk about it like, oh, they traded a first for Barkley Goodrow, but they got that that high third in return. And so it's not quite the same as trading essentially two firsts for Blake Coleman. And that's it. Like, that's the deal. (laughs) Um, and then if we remember, Blake Coleman was originally reported to be traded to Colorado that day. Yeah. <laughs> and that was that was the world's introduction to just how good Blake Coleman really was. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of hype on Miles Wood being any good. And the guy that was actually the dope one was Blake Coleman. And the real ones knew. And Barclay Goudreau, not as not the same level, uh, but was an important part of that team like a good a a solid depth guy yeah it's it's an interesting look at tampa specifically because you see them go all in but you look at their team and you're like they were already so so good yeah they traded all these first round picks so that they could make their bottom six jacked as right right so I saw some conversation in the chat earlier where it's like uh, forwards feel like a luxury for the Avs this year. Maybe, but what you we've already talked about it on this show. The difference in the playoffs is often some dude on your third line. Yeah. When you look at you look at last night's matchup, look where Vegas was successful. It was against Colorado's. It was their top. Yep. It was their bottom six against Colorado's bottom six. You still mm-hmm. look at the Avalanche bottom six, and you say production wise, points wise, you're pretty cool with how that's gone for them. You feel good about Alex Newhook. Alex Newhook held his own last night. But you look, Logan O'Connor got his head kicked in. JT Comfort got his head kicked in. Tyson Jost got his head kicked in. You And you worry. That's half your bottom six that got their ass kicked last night. Now your top six dominated, like whooped that ass and was fine. 
Like you feel really good about your top six as is currently constructed. Now, if you get a Claude Giroux, you drop him into your top six and you move one of those other guys down. That's how you help your bottom six instead of going to get a bottom six player. Tampa Bay, the lesson to be learned from Tampa Bay, Blake Coleman would have been a top six guy elsewhere. But as a bottom six guy on their team gave them a big time advantage when their their bottom six got got on the ice. Yep. Right. Yeah, I mean that was their third. I mean Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, and Barclay Goudreau, oftentimes would play together as, as a third line. Those guys are all in. Uh, well, two of those guys are in top sixes today, and I don't know where Barclay Goudreau is in the Rangers lineup. I refuse to watch them play. <laughs> so you're talking like your time. Curtis McDermott didn't get his head kicked in last night. Had problems with the scoring. The scoring chances were too much, but those other guys got dominated, like dominated. So that's where that's where the conversation is. Is oh well, you don't need to go get Quadru. You go get, you know, go get a a, a middle six guy instead. Go get somebody else's JT Comfort, and right. it's just like okay, yeah, I'm go get Vlad Nemestikov. I'm totally cool with that too, but. Getting the Claude Giroux pushes that guy, pushes a better player down. You know, you put – if you have Alex Newhook and Andre Burakovsky on your third line, it's an interesting group. Now, it's not going to be super tough. That's why I always suggest Nachushkin. But you you drop Nachushkin next to Alex Newhook, Alex Newhook's going to get a lot better. Well, Cla- Claude Giroux, you know, you think of it in terms of – and just using him as the example because why wouldn't He's I? kind of like where we start all of the abs conversation. <laughs> right. But, you know, even, you know, even a player like Pavelski, they help this group in particular in, in so many ways beyond just them coming into the lineup where like, that's the obvious upgrade. If you're again, look, I, I really like JT Conf, right? I, I like him as a player. He's, he does a lot of this, so he's tough to love long-term, but I do. I, I like him as a player. I think he works hard, blah, 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 blah. If you're turning JT Confer into Claude Giroux, you just you upgrade the line that Claude Giroux is playing on so much because you're mm-hmm. adding Claude Giroux. But the ripple effect that that has throughout the bottom of your lineup, because then, yeah, again, just using Nachushin, because I think you're right. I think he makes a little bit more sense with that group. But I guess the point is it doesn't really matter who it is, right? You bump Nachushkin down one, which then bumps down, again, pick someone, Abe Kubel or whatever. And now it's just like, now you've got a third line guy playing on your fourth line. You've got a second line guy playing on your third line. You had a first line guy playing on your second line. And then your top line is very well documented. Potentially, you have a very good argument for them being the best line in the league. Simply adding one player like that doesn't just make... The abs, oh, yeah, they got Claude Giroux, great. It just makes all of your lines that much tougher to match against. And when you get deep into these playoff series, that is what so much of these games come down to. What matchups are you winning? And that's a problem that the abs top line ran into a little bit in that Vegas series last year. Their top line wasn't winning their matchup, and they struggled down their lineup. Well, you add they, Claude Giroux, and it just makes such a difference. The Ebb's top line was was not losing their matchup either. What was the problem was that Tyson Jost and JT Comfer 
were going head to head against William Carlson, and they were who was in way over their heads. Who yeah. was fucking blowing them into little bits and pieces every single night, like just dominating them. Like those guys that the Vegas's second line is what won them that series yep. more than Vegas star players. It was all Marcheseau. It was all Riley Smith. It was all William Carlson. Those guys destroyed Colorado. And it's because they just didn't have an answer. With no Nazem Kadri, they didn't have an answer. I also right. think that that's one of the things that we didn't really talk a whole lot about because it was like, look, he was suspended. He didn't play in the series. We have no idea what difference he makes. Watch the game last night. Colorado's top six did not struggle. Their top line scored both of their goals. And Colorado's second line dominated possession. Was in the positives and everything that you care about. Yep. It was Colorado's bottom six that was the concern. And as far as I'm concerned, will continue to be the concern. I, I until Burakovsky's complete like offense completely dries up, I'm not worrying about it that much. Yep. Well, and we saw Burakovsky, he's a streaky guy. I mean, that guy that guy can go, yeah, I guess he's already out like 15 games. And then he could bury seven in the next four. And again, we, a lot of this has been a lot of these deals we've talked about. Yeah. You didn't really think that much of the player until you got to the playoffs. Berkey's got that potential. The playoffs start. I mean, he did it last year, right? Every, every better piece you add is just insulation from streakiness, right? Like not everyone's going to be super hot in the playoffs, but the more talent you have, the more you can get away with this guy going cold or that guy not playing to his best. So um, just to wrap things up in 2021, Tampa went out and got David Savard for uh, a first and a third. And then they also had to give a fourth to Detroit so they could retain salary. Um, A little bit interesting just because we could see if the Avs want to try and get creative, involve a third team to to retain some salary or something like that. But uh, again, this is just another team that knows it's very, very good and is trying to fill out a hole in their lineup. Yeah, and David Savard ended up on their third pairing on that. Yep. All things like wasn't necessarily the plan when they got him, but ended up being a really good third. You know, he's on their third pairing, and you're like, well, things have gone pretty well for us. Yep. If they had any kind of injury or a guy wasn't playing up to snuff in their top four, that's a guy that easily would have slid into that and taken that job. Yeah. So that's a heavy investment, though, for – that bit piece but when you're talking about if they didn't have because they didn't really have like a viable option there yeah uh, and you look at where where they're weaker this year it's in those spots uh gord goudreau coleman all gone their bottom six guys like ross colton and such you know matthew joseph they've they've been okay but they're just not the same they're not fully formed yet the tampa bay's bottom of their defense just hadn't been as good they just a big step back there that they've they're they're trying to figure out how to survive it. But they're also a great example of why this whole all in conversation is kind of dumb, because as long as as long as you have your main stars, as long as the Avalanche have Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen, they're going to compete. Like Washington only won that one cup, but you think that they have any any regrets about that they won that thing? Like, oh, it sucks that they didn't win more. You know, Pittsburgh's going to get three cups, maybe more out of Sidney Crosby. Obviously, that's a huge win. 
But do you think do you think Washington feels bad about winning only one cup? Like I see right. in chat today and most days, it's well, I don't want them to give up the future. I want the Avs to to win a couple of cups. You got to win one before you can win two. Right, right, right. Like the focus is on winning a cup this year, not worrying about how this how this deeply impacts their contention in twenty twenty five. Right. You know, you do keep an eye on those things. But, like, if you can go and get Claude Giroux to try and win you a Stanley Cup this year, you should. It, you can't get yeah. ahead of yourselves. How many teams have been really, really good that never won a cup? It, right. it, 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 it's really dangerous to start talking about multiple cups when you have zero. Yeah, I mean, go and look at, like, go and look at the early 2000s St. Louis Blues with Al McGinnis and, and Chris Pronger and Keith Kachuk. Like, all Hall of Fame guys. And they had to go through Colorado. They had to go through Detroit. They had to go through Dallas just to get out of the fucking West. Right. Like, yeah. it's just hard to win a cup. I mean, yeah. look at the teams over the last handful of years that you have. Vegas hasn't gotten over the hump yet. Nashville never got over the hump when they had all their guys in, in their prime San Jose. Has... San Jose is a great one. That's like the ultimate yeah. fear. Yeah. I yeah. think San Jose is the team that you're always afraid of becoming the one that makes the cup finals regularly plays deep into the postseason and walks away with nothing from an era with multiple hall of fame players. That's the, that's the one that I think scares you. Yeah. Yeah. San Jose is such a weird, cause they only made it to the one cup final. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know, man. That, that that was that was such a weird team in the what was that mid to late two thousands into basically the entire twenty tens. Yep. Um. Yeah. The Joe Thornton, Patrick yeah. Marlowe, Joe Pavelski, Logan Couture Sharks. Like yep. they just never could quite get over. No, did did they? Because that might actually be a good example. Did they ever do anything where they went out and added? Or I, I feel like they were a Let's team see. that just kind of rolled with it every year and said we believe in this group. Let me pull it up. Yeah, I'm sure. There's and maybe um, I'm completely wrong. If we could, can you give me the years that they were had their best regular seasons? They made the Cup Finals in 2016. Uh, 2016 at the deadline that year, they went, uh, they got Roman Polak and Nick Spalling for Rafi Torres in two seconds, James Reimer and Jeremy Morin for Alex Stalock, Ben Smith in a fourth. Their best regular season was 13 14, where they had 51 wins. Um, the deadline that year, they didn't do anything meaningful. Okay. And they lost in the first round to the Kings, who eventually. Well, and they were the first seed. They were the first seed in twenty and oh two thousand nine ten against Colorado. Yep. yep. And deadline that year, not much. Because because no, I remember I remember that team being you know kind of the well we like the group that we have here, and they may actually even be a, a again anecdotal right but example of if you feel like you need to improve somewhere, no matter what your record says, if you feel like you need to improve, go out and try to improve yourself. Cause yeah, man, they had a lot of, I mean, look nothing at nothing to show for it. Post Oh five lockout lost in the semis, lost in the semis, lost in the semis, lost in the quarters, lost in the conference finals, lost in the conference finals, lost in the quarters, lost in the semis. 
good, but not good enough. Mm-hmm. And then finally, in, in fifteen sixteen, they make the cup finals, but ultimately lose to Pittsburgh. They did have some active deadlines. I mean, you have to have some when you're around <laughs> the picture for that long. For that long, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would hope. If if you're really doing actually nothing, then yeah, yeah like the year that they uh, the year that they gave up Tommy Wingles for Zach Stortini and Buddy Robinson in the seventh. Tommy Wingles was like a dude that people liked around the league at the time. Yep. They got Yannick Hansen for Nikolai Gladolbin, who was one of their top prospects at the time. Obviously, the big Jamie McGinn, TJ Galliardi deal yep. uh, with Colorado that one year. Jenner. Yeah, they they went they went hard in 2018. They got uh, Eric Fair yeah, for was... a seventh. Hmm. Uh, and then the Evander Kane deal. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. in more recent years, it's it's also kind of like they've been more of a team that made a lot of their big moves over the summer. Though. Yeah, where they do shit like go get Eric Carlson and. Well, that that I I remember. <laughs> And obviously this was before the late the the incidents that happened when he was in San Jose. I remember that Evander Kane deal, everyone being like, are you sure? Like are you sure you want to do that given the way everything's kind of gone? And honestly, maybe the deal that sunk that franchise is tying their wagon to Martin Jones, but well, and that was really their big thing. Remember, they could never get a goalie. Yep. Well, I, I, so I was going to say that earlier but searching for a goalie. When did when did Evgeny Nabokov retire? Uh, well, I think he finished his career in. Yeah, he kind of bounced around. Yeah, yeah, uh, I don't think. Right? Yeah, in I mean, he finished it in Tampa, but to uh, 2010 was his last year in San Jose. Okay, because so, because I, I was gonna say because I know they had him for a while and that was kind of considered their, you know, their guy. Uh. Well, and then they got they they played that cute little game with Chicago, where Chicago Dude, couldn't so, re-sign Miami and what's his uh the Crawford. uh, uh Jalmerson. And oh, 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 oh yeah, and so they they were like, "Hey, we're gonna offer sheet both of these guys, and you can only sign one of them." LOL. Yeah. Um, the, and then they ended up getting Anthony Niemi. Chicago let him go and picked Jalmerson, and ended up yeah. being the right call. Yeah, I was gonna say, I wonder why they let him go. <laughs> He was Corey terrible, Crawford dude. was in the AHL and I, I always thought two cups. I always thought Anthony Niemi was maybe the most overrated goaltender in the NHL for a couple of years there. <laughs> but anyway, point is is that San Jose's big thing was they couldn't find a goalie. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, I think that pretty much wraps up the show. Wraps up kind of the approach that we took today. Yeah. yeah. Just interesting to take a look at what all the Stanley Cup champs did over the past decade or so. Um, Outside of Chicago and the weirdness that was St. Louis, most of these teams at least did something. That something ranges from full send to nibble around the edges. So it's hard to 
really say that there's a right answer at the deadline. You have to take into the context of the year and the situation pretty heavily. You only ever know if a team was right at the deadline after the season is over and if yeah. they've won well, and, the cup or not. Haven't we been saying that about Darcy Kemper going back to you know, this last <laughs> yeah. summer? Like yeah. even even that deal, even before anytime a team makes a move where they say, look, this is what we think we needed to get us over the hump. That's a, the jury is out on that until the season's over. Like, like even, you know, Darcy Kemper is obviously on on a fantastic stretch right now, but if that dude played 890 hockey all season and the abs get into the playoffs at, you know, in the third seed in the central, and then suddenly he catches fire and takes them on to win a cup. You're like, yep. Every last bit of it was worth it. Don't give a shit about the regular season. Every last bit of it was worth it. And it's the same thing with, with deadline stuff. The Avs could go out and get Claude Giroux, and he could not put up a point the rest of the way in the regular season. But if he goes off for 23 points in the in the yep. playoffs in route to a Stanley Cup, it's like, dope. So Do it all over again. And what you're talking about is actually not super uncommon where a guy struggles to fit in during the regular season because mm-hmm. he's adjusting. The, the thing with the trade deadline is guys only have – 15 to 20 games to figure it out, right? To get comfortable. And then once they once they really start to, to get comfortable, it's right at the end of the year and then going into the postseason. And then a team that's going on a postseason run, things are obviously clicking. If they right. weren't clicking, your game's played is six and nobody ever thinks about it again. Right, right, right. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing that what a guy does because, like, and you look at, hey, one of the big fish a couple of years ago was Mikhail Bodker. Colorado went and got that guy. Mikhail Bodker lived up to his end of it. The rest of the team fell apart, and they missed the postseason entirely. Right. All right. Yeah. On that note, we're going to end this show. Thank you, everybody, for watching, listening, however you consume. We appreciate you all a ton. Uh, Go here. read Megan's piece about Damn. John Luke. Foodie that is on the website right now, and be prepared for a big feature piece tomorrow morning yep. from Jesse and myself. Very, very good time to get yourself a DNVR membership with the the foodie piece and and what AJ and Jesse have cooking up here. So go check those things out. Go read them; they're dope. Highly recommend. We are off tomorrow, uh, but we'll be back in the morning for the game Saturday. So be sure to tune in for all of that. We will talk to you then. <laughs>